Amen and amen, church. It is so good to be with you today. My name is Monty. I'm one of the pastors at Meadows Church. And like Sarah said, and then Rachel said, I got to say it too. If you're a first-time guest, welcome home. We are super excited that you're here. I see a lot of you are wearing your, your, your City Serve Love Week t-shirts. If you haven't got one, they're free. I mean, they're right out in the Welcome Center. So grab one before you leave. Wear it as you serve and love others this week and beyond this week. So you picked a great weekend to come to church. Pastor, you always say that, and I always will, because every weekend's a good weekend to come to church, right? Amen? Amen. So, so we start a brand new series called Know What You're For. Say for. In a world that's quick to clamor about what they're against, quick to post or tweet or say or shout, this is who I'm not for, this is who I'm against, this is who I can't stand, I wonder if we were known for what we're for and how much more powerful that would be. So in the series we're looking at, what was God for? What was Jesus for? Jesus had a knack for building bridges because he was focused on who he was for, what he was for, instead of barriers, shouting about what he was against and shouting about who he couldn't stand. Okay, I, I, it's, we live in such a crazy time right now. And, it, and as, if you're a follower of Jesus, like if you're not, first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being open. But if you are... We should be doing everything we can during this time, during this crazy pandemic, whatever, all the things going on, to build bridges. The, the, the harvest has never been more ripe. We've never been, people have never been more receptive to hope, more receptive to, to help, to, to a word, to truth. And, and yet I see over and over again uh, people in the name of Jesus hammering other people and yelling at other people and, and shouting with their keyboard. It's amazing how courageous we can get behind a keyboard, right? But shouting at our or at people through the keyboard, and I'm like, we're missing it. We're missing it. I want to be known for what I'm for. So, what are you known for? Like, I thought about high school, because high school, some of you, you're not there yet, but those of you that you've been through it, you know that it, it, it's everything at the moment. High school is going to define me. What were you known for in high school, right? Were you, were you the, the smart kid? Were you the jock? Were you the geek? Were you the freak, right? Were you the, were you the popular one, the not popular one? What, it, it's, it's, it seems like it's going to stick with you forever. There was an event that happened to me in high school that almost became known for what I was for. It would have been horrible if this would have happened, by the way. It almost did. If this would have gone down the way the devil wanted it to, I wouldn't be your pastor, this, we, this would not exist, and I'd be labeled this forever. I'll set it up. And some of you, you might have heard a little bit of this story before, but many of you are new, so you haven't. Welcome to my dysfunction. Here we go. So when I was a sophomore in high school, I wrestled all during high school, all during grade school. And, and, and in high school, we start to cut weight to make a certain weight in wrestling. And uh, so it, my sophomore year, I had to cut weight to make 105 pounds. Yeah. 105 pounds as a sophomore strapping, wasn't I? So anyway, so I'm cutting weight to make 105, and I can't get there. It's too difficult. And a friend of, a friend of mine, a 15-year-old kid, comes up, and he's like, hey, and has a pill. He's like, take this pill. Just take, now, now, kids, question. If your buddy walks up and, like, has unmarked medication, should you take it? No! I can't, they're just looking at me. No, the answer is No! But that's exactly what I did. So I'm like, yeah, let's give it a try. So it was a laxative. And uh, do I need to elaborate? I, it worked really well. Okay? It did its job to the extreme. So much so that I easily made weight. There was nothing holding that back. But after I made weight that morning, you would eat to replenish because you don't wrestle till that evening, right? So we get to Harrisburg, South Dakota. I'll never forget it. We're, there's 12 wrestlers on our team. There's 12 on their team. We're all, we're all out on the mat. Because before the tournament, or before the duel, you, you do the Pledge of Allegiance. We stand there, and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, there's hundreds of people in the stands. So here's the problem. All this food is in my system, but so is some of that pill, still. So, it, yeah, this isn't good. So, so we're, you know, I pledge allegiance. It wasn't the Pledge of Allegiance. It was uh, the National Anthem. You get it. Like, whatever. So, yes, the National Anthem. It didn't seem right. So, um, so we're listening to the National Anthem and the flag and all this, and all of a sudden my stomach's like gurgle. And I'm like, oh my God, 
gurgle, and I was like, oh no, oh no, crap. I mean, no, 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 no crap, no crap, no crap. And I'm, I'm literally in the clinch. You know what I'm saying? I'm in there. And I'm like, this is, this can't go down like this. And I'm, my, you know, my, my teammates are like, what the heck's wrong with Gannon? Oh, he's, he's got issues. <laughs> yes, I do. So, so it's my, my stomach, and all of a sudden, I, I can't do it anymore. And I take off running. In front of everybody, during the national anthem, I'm running, like, to the bathroom. You can picture it. I barge in the bathroom. I... Picture a tsunami meeting an earthquake. That's what happened. 3.4 on the Richter scale. So you see, it was ugly. So anyway, I won't elaborate much more than that. So it is just on. I get done. And, I, and my coach, I won't tell you what, he was, he was hot. He was mad because he knew that we'd been up to some shenanigans to make weight. And uh, he, he's like, you better get out there and you better win. And I'm like, yes, sir, yes, sir. And I was still so nervous because my stomach was still all upset. And I thought, my gosh, I got to win quick. Because I will not be known as that kid. I will be not known for that kid that crapped his pants in front of hundreds of people wearing tights. That will not be me. It almost was, though. I beat that kid, and I beat him quick, and then I got quickly off the mat. But you guys, it was one of the most tense moments I've ever lived. It's horrible. So continually pray for your pastor. I'd appreciate it. Uh, what are you known for? No, actually, I'm going to give you two questions that the series is centered on, okay? What do you want to be known for? Pause there for a second. I want to be known to be a good, good father or mother. I want to be known to be a good employee or a good worker, a hard worker. I want to be known to be uh, somebody that loves Jesus. I want to be known for somebody that you fill in the blank. What do you want to be known for in, in the life that God has given you? And then here's the second question. What are you known for? Okay, I want, you want to be known for this, but, but if you ask somebody who you live with, somebody who you work with, somebody who you maybe know, what, what are you known for what you want to be known for? See, the goal in this series, one of the big goals is to close that gap. I, I want to help us, if we want to be known, because I'm, I'm going to assume that you want to be known for something good. I'm just assuming that. So, I want to be known for something good, but maybe I'm not there, because many times those things don't line up. But if we're known for what we want to be known for, which I hope at the end of the day is somebody that would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're winning. And so, so this series... I, there's no better way to start this series off than to, than to talk about one of, the, one of the things Jesus was known for. I'm going to start, I'm gonna, we're going to go old, New Testament, and then I'm going to do some old school Old Testament, okay? So in the New Testament, Matthew 19, um, verse 13, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands on them and pray for them. The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. And we might think, how could they? But understand something, that would be very normal back in this day. Children or even women, you know, the guys were, it was all about the guys, and then they were considered second class, right? That's just the way the, the culture was at this time. So it'd be normal for the disciples to say, hey, come on, Jesus has got more important things to worry about than you or your kids. But Jesus, he said, let the children come to me. See, Jesus was for children. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on the heads of the kids, and he blessed them before they left. Jesus, and you might see where we get the title of the message from, Jesus is for the next generation. He always was. When nobody else was, Jesus was. More than anything else. In fact, he would say, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. What is Jesus saying? We're to come to heaven as a child. Like, you know how a child, a small child has this, this childlike faith and, 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 and this innocence and this, this honesty. Can we agree that small kids, they'll be honest, whether you want them to or not. Like, they, they say there's three things that don't lie, right? Small children, drunk people, and stretch pants. None of those things lie, right? They all tell the truth. You can't hide. Okay, anyway, so Jesus was for the next generation. But we think about the next generation, and some of us are like, Ah, them kids, you know, with their, their ripped jeans and their, their, their nose rings and their, what, their loud music and their, they got those smoke, little smoke machines blowing smoke out of their head, out of the vapors, vaping mechanism. They got that. And, and back to the jeans, they were wearing their jeans down. Now they're wearing their jeans up. I can't keep up with trends. Don't know how the kids are wearing their jeans. It's funny how trends change, isn't it? You know, what, you know how things come around and they go around and then they come around? You know, types of jeans, types of styles. My question is this. Anybody ever feather their hair growing up? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, four of us. Great. So, yeah. So, feathering your hair. Just So, I found this picture. Do we have it? 
Like this is me. Look at that. That, that is hot right there. So that is feathered hair. And that look, I don't know why I'm so happy. It's like, it's like right after my friend gave me some unmarked medication. I don't know what's going on there. So, okay, take that down. So that has not come back yet. And it may never come back. The feathered hair, I'm wondering. So, but these kids that were like, come on, this next generation, they're entitled. They don't want to work and all this stuff. But here, and we don't have hope. And that's why we don't have hope in the future. But I'm going to tell you something. I have incredible hope for the future because I'm believing heavily in the next generation. If you want to see a world change, invest in the future generation and watch them change the future. That's what we're going to do. Gosh, it's like people want to complain about it. How about you love and encourage and lift up? They're it. So we, we, okay, we are a church. Not only is Jesus for the next generation, you'll find out really quickly if you're new to Meadows Church, we as a church, we are heavily for the next generation, big time. So let me give you now, just to give you a picture that of God's... Um, command, really, for us as adults, if you're an adult in the room, this is what God commands of us when it comes to how important it is to pour into our kids. So in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. Um, the, the word literally means, you know, do, do is two, like deuce is two, you know, Deuteronomy. It means second law or repeated law. So, so Moses and the Israelites, Moses is repeating the law to the Israelites. He's gotten the law from God, right? The Ten Commandments. God's given him them. And he said, hey, this is my moral code. This is how you're to live. So, so Moses is regurgitating them again to the people in Deuteronomy. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, no one else. And you must, say must, it's a big deal. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must, say must, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Why should we commit, them to, commit ourselves to them, God? Are you trying to get something from us? And he's like, no, no, no. I have something for you. Like, like these commands are something for you. He said, repeat them again and again to who? Your kids, your children, the future generation. Repeat them again and again. Talk about them when you're at home with them, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. In other words, all the time, tie them to your hands. Worm on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. They literally, the, the Jewish people would literally do those things. That's how adamant they were to teach themselves and the next generation how crucial it is that we love God with all that we are. See, I, I'm going to say this without even asking you. I believe that you are a people that you want to teach your children and teach your, your, anybody, any future generation, any younger generation, you want to teach them to love God with all that they are. I'm just going to say it. And I'll tell you straight up, that's who we are. See, this is why our church, Meadows, online, you need to hear this loud and clear. At Meadows Church, our kids' ministry, and right behind it, our youth ministry, our student ministry, they are our most important ministries. Why? Because when you teach the kids, when you help kids, when you foster kids to fall in love with Jesus and the church, they will change the world. They'll do it. You, 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 gotta, you gotta teach them. You gotta repeat it to them over and over. That's what God says. You, they got to know. So I'm going to give you three things that, that I see when it comes to God and his heart for people. And actually, the three things I'm going to show you, they actually evolve from a study as well that were done with people that were heavily involved in kids, heavily involved in kids' ministry like we are as a church. Three keys to our next generation having a relationship with Jesus. Because, and why do I say that? Because that's the key. If, if we can help our kids fall in love with Jesus in the church, that's the That's the future. That's what, the, that's what the world needs. I hope you see that. I hope you don't, get, you don't believe the smoke screen that you see out in the world, that, that this is the problem or that is the problem. What we have is a spiritual problem. It, none other. I promise you. And, and, if, and if a child will fall in love with Jesus in the church, I'm telling you, you will see a future like you've never seen before. So how do, we, how do they fall in love with the church? This is how they do it. Childhood, get this, number one, childhood is when most people give their lives to Jesus. Did you know that? It's when most people will surrender their life. Remember, come to heaven as a child. Children are receptive. They're an open book. They're going to, they're, they're open to what you're going to teach them. Good or bad, they're open. So they're, they're listening and they're learning. Two-thirds of Christians in this huge study came to faith before they were ever 18 years old. Two-thirds came to faith. And I, I don't mean just about Jesus. Kids before they're, I mean, what's the next stat? It has to do with 12 years old. Almost half that group made the decision before they were 12. Do you know that before our children are 12 years old, they've already made decisions about heaven, 
about hell, about eternity. They made decisions about God, the sovereignty, the, the realness. Is he real or is he not? They made, they're making decisions about the Son of God. Is he real? Is he not? Is the cross, is that a real thing that happened or is that just fake? Is resurrection, does that really happen or is that just some sort of a myth? They're making those decisions very early. Very early. Stats will tell you this all over the place. And check this out. Less than one-fourth of current believers came to Christ after the age of 21. So after the age of 21, less than a fourth of people do that. Okay, why? Because adults, you, you can't change our mind on anything. We're set in our ways. I mean, you, try to change the mind of somebody that's an adult, okay? All, and all God's married people said, good luck. You ain't good luck. You, I tell you, my, like, I love my mom. I was just telling somebody in the Welcome Center that my mom is, I think she's 76, and, um, you know, I'm the youngest of six kids, and my mom, one thing my mom is known for, and she wouldn't even argue this, my mom is known to never be on time. My mom has never been on time, ever, I don't think. She's always, she's always been late, and that hasn't changed. From my earliest memory, that was my mom showing up late to something. From my latest memory, that was my mom, still showing up late. My mom's in her 70s. She hasn't gotten quicker, okay? She's late. And that's who she is. Mom, if you're watching, by the way, I love you. But the thing is, my mom's not watching because she won't watch it for another two years because she's late. Getting to the, okay, anyway, so you get it. So my, good luck changing an adult's mind. But kids are receptive. I wrote it down. The key to change, hear me. The key to change is pointing our children to the one who's in the life-changing business. See, the schools aren't going to do it. The government is not going to do it. You can't rely on their friends. They're probably not going to do it. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, that will do it. That will change a heart. That will change a life. That will change a student. That will change a child. And that thus will change the world. I'm going to get the 9 o'clock fired up. I don't care how long it takes. We'll, I'll preach for two hours screaming at you. I don't care. So... I get it. Have some coffee. Let's get some Jesus and we're going to go. So, number one, childhood is a key time. It's when most people give their life to Jesus. No doubt about it. Number two, parents, if you're a parent in the room or a guardian, you have the most impact. You have the most impact by far. Makes sense, doesn't it? You're living with them. You're spending the most time with them. Half the children who came to Christ in this huge study that I, that I looked at were led to Christ by their parents. Half of them. Over half of them. So, and, and can, we, can we admit, parents, if you're a parent, raise your hand. A few parents in the room. Yeah, a few parents in the room. Okay, yeah, yeah. So can we agree, if your hand was up, that parenting is hard? Can we agree, can we agree on that? You're not going to fight me on that one? Okay, good, good. I mean, listen to me. I was an incredible parent before I had kids. I'm just going to say it out loud. I was. I was awesome. I knew what I was doing. Isn't it funny when you see somebody, you, maybe your kid's the one out in public, you know, throwing a tantrum, and then some wise apple over here does, doesn't have a kid? Well, I can't believe they let their kid act like that in public. If I was a, if I, well, you're not, so shut up, and let me know when you have kids, and I'll come watch, you know? Gosh, if I was a parent, well, yeah, you can't even take care of your dog, okay? So, <laughs> I just, you let me know how it goes. It's so funny because kids... Ava, Ava, you got a car now, don't you? you? Ava paid for half her car. I'm proud of her. And uh, so Ava's got a car. Yeah, we're proud. We're proud, Ava. You still make me nervous behind the wheel, but I'm proud of you. All right? So Ava has her car. And Ava, you're so funny because you know what you told me? I tried to bring my coffee in, my, in her car. Ava's like, Dad, uh-uh, uh-uh. Like, what do you mean, uh-uh? I said, it's a coffee. No, Dad, no food or drink in my car. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? This is the same kid who, in my backseat, takes Doritos and like, Aah. I'm like, are you, I'll, Ava, I'm bringing coffee in your car. I don't care what you tell me. My gosh. So anyway, so that was just out in left field. But <laughs> our job, parents, parents, if you're a parent or your or grandparent, uncle, aunt, you have influence on, on, on the people in your life. Listen to me. You better model what you want them to do. You can't just tell them. I've done that many times, trust me. You, we have to model it. You can't lead your kids where, you, where you're not willing to go. You can't. They're going to know. Kids have been sold, especially this generation or the young generation, they've been sold on the, you know, their stuff's getting sold to them all the time. Social media, uh, media itself, uh, they're, they're being sold to all the time. They can sniff through hypocrisy like nobody's business. I'm telling you. So, 
We gotta show our kids that God's first in our life. We have to lead that. Of the 50% of the kids that were led to Jesus, that stat I gave you, I'm gonna share with you what they said they did. This is what they said they did. This is how they got their kids to fall in love with Jesus. Some of them did all these things. Some of them did some of these things. But I'm telling you, this is the gold. This is what they did. I'll give you just a few of the very top ones I saw. They attend church that emphasizes what the Bible says. Okay, so praise God you're doing that. You're here. You're watching online. I'm telling you, you found a church that lifts up the word of God. And we preach it in season, out of season. I don't care what the season is out there. We preach the word of God. And it's it's not going to match culture. Understand that. It won't match what's going on in the world, okay? Eventually, you're going to have to make a decision. I I said it last week. Eventually, you got to pick the word or the world. You can't pick both. You you can't. The world is not of the word. So, and the the bigger the chasm gets, the more of the decision you have to make because you can't straddle the fence. Straddling the fence means that you're in the world. That's what it means. And I I, I told somebody, they're like, well, you know what? Uh, You you start hitting people with stuff about, you know, same sex and and abortion and all these issues that are hot issues, you you know, you you can't because those are hot topics. So we can't talk about that stuff. I'm like, why can't we? The Bible talks about all kinds of stuff that we go on in our lives. Why wouldn't we talk about that? Well, you know, fill in the seats. I said, listen, I don't give a real. We're preaching the word of God. Whether God clears this place out or fills this place up, we're preaching the word of God, okay? We will do it in love. We will do it in love. We will. We will, but, but, but we, if you don't preach the word, what's your foundation? So they're saying, get them to a church. Oh, by the way, we teach this in child dedication. Studies show that when parents go to church, 72% of their kids will go when they're adults. When parents don't go to church, 6%. They're watching us. They're they're going to model what you do. I I guarantee you. I guarantee you. It isn't rocket science from 72 to 6. And I'll hear parents, and parents, if this is you, I'm coming at you right now, okay? Um, I've talked to parents, and if you've told me, I'm not calling you out, I'm just saying, think about it for a second. Someone will tell me, I'll be like, hey, where's so-and-so? You know, maybe it's a, they're, 14-year-old kid or whatever. Oh, they're at home sleeping. And I'm like, why, why ain't they in church with you? Well, they just, I don't want to force it down their throat. It was forced, it was forced down my throat. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I get it if it was forced and the church was not a church that was alive and preaching the word and fun for kids, but this is Meadows Church. I said, you got to bring them. Well, nope, I'm not going to, I'm not going to force it. That's going to, they make their own decision. They're 14. Okay, why, okay, how about this? school. I wouldn't force school down their throat, would you? Don't do that. That institution of school. Let them decide. I guarantee they'll be home watching Netflix with you, okay? They ain't going. The dentist? Don't set a dentist appointment for your kids. My gosh, how dare you force that on them? That's traumatic. Let them decide if they want to go to the dentist. Are you insane? I mean, and your kid won't go to the dentist, I promise you. Okay, and six years later, they'll have three teeth, and then you're moving to Kentucky, okay? That's what's going to happen. Gosh, if there's anybody from Kentucky watching, we do love you. We just have fun. So, I, I, but is it your kid's decision? Why? What are you doing? I mean, well, I don't want them to be mad at me. I'll talk about that in a second. We have to lead. Lead your family. Lead your family. Okay, number two, they read the Bible regularly. Okay, they did. So you cannot, and I already talked about this, you can't be both in the word and in the world. You gotta pick one. What does light have to do with darkness anyway? Okay, the word of God is light. In the world, you'll find darkness. We have to, you have to teach your kids. Get your kids a Bible. We give them out in kids' ministry free. We give them out in youth ministry free. We give them out to you free. We want the word of God in their hands. I don't know what to do with them. Just open the gospel of Matthew and just let them read for five minutes. Read it to them for five minutes. You're, you're instilling the word of God in them. These families that led their kids to Jesus, they read the Bible on a regular basis. And how we can be a person or say that we're a follower of Jesus and never open the word of God and never teach it to our kids, God himself said, repeat it over and over, day in and day out. Mark it here, write it here, wrap it around your head here. And God's like, don't, li- give them my word. Give them my love. Give them my love letter. And we'll give them everything but that. By the way, do you know kids, 12 to 18, spend six to nine hours on on their phone? A day. A day. On average. Oh, no, they, yeah, they do. Maybe not yours, but I'm saying on average. (laughs) Six to nine hours. And that's not schoolwork, by the way. That's social media. That's uh, gaming. That's uh, YouTube. 
uh, all that kind of stuff. That's what it is. 69 hours. You have time to read the Word of God. You have time to show them the Word of God. Trust me, you have time. They have time. We have to parent. So anyway, so get in the Word of God regularly. Even if it's once a week. Start with once a week for five minutes. Start somewhere. Okay, no, the third thing they did, they encouraged their teenagers to serve in the church. That, the people that led their kids to Jesus, their teenagers weren't home sleeping while they came to church. Their teenagers were with them, and they weren't just with them. Many of them were serving alongside them in the church. And, and, and by the way, you can't tell your teenagers to serve somewhere if you're not going to do it. Okay? Well, I'm gonna have my kid's going to serve in the kid ministry. But you're not. They're watching. What are you teaching them? I'm just going to drop them off, and they're going to serve, and I'm going to go, you know, grab some latte. Okay, Grab me one, will you? I am tired. So, uh, so we have kids that come to this church, teenagers, 6.30 in the morning, every Sunday morning they're here, preparing the environments, setting up pipe and drape, setting up lights so that you can experience the Word of God. It can be done. Now, do they love it every Sunday morning? I don't think so, honestly. I don't think so. They might curse their parents under their breath. I'm just, I don't, but, but they're being led towards the Lord. They're being led towards the Lord. Last two, encourage their gifts and talents. I wrote this down after I read that. I said, when it comes to our kids, it's our job to name their gifts, name their passion, name their character. You have to help them see what's in them. That's your job, by the way, as a parent. And that was a big one for me. I thought about my kids. I thought about Ava. Uh, so, so Jake, first of all, Jake, you're, one of your gifts is evangelism. I've told you this, that Jake has a heart for his friends that don't know the Lord. He's always inviting kids to youth, always doing that. So I, I'm so, so I know that's a gift. I want him to know that and foster that. Ava, Ava has the gift of mercy, okay? You did not get that from your dad. I'll tell you that right now. Maybe from your heavenly father, but not me. So, but Ava has that gift. She has a heart for people, especially people that are hurting. Know your gifts and talents of your kids and foster them, encourage them, name them. Lastly, and this one seemed kind of off for me, but it's in here because it doesn't really kind of fall in line with the others. Parents that led their kids to the Lord asked forgiveness when they messed up. The parents that led their kids to the Lord modeled it by asking forgiveness when they messed up with their kids. Some of the kids are right now, yeah, dang it, preach. Yeah, but, but, but kids, okay, when you mess up, can I say something? Here, the, the, the Word of God says something about that too, okay? They're like, they're like shut up, pastor. Okay, yeah, yeah, it does. So it says to discipline you when you mess up, Okay. People will ask me, Pastor, should I be spanking my kids? Well, you, you have to decide that. That's a you know, your personal decision. But the Word of God, I'm just going to read the Word of God. Okay? I, I'm just the messenger, by the way. I'm just the messenger. Proverbs, <laughs> Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. Kids, when you're getting a spanking, we're trying to save your life. We love you that much. I'm just reading the Word of God, so you do what you want with it. I'm just telling you, God disciplines you. He disciplines me, not because he, not because he hates us, but because he loves us. All right, so kids are coming to Christ early, right? Parents, it, it's mainly on us. That we're the biggest influence in their lives. Number three, children's ministry matters. Uh, this is so huge. Kid, why is it most important in Meadows Church? For this reason alone. 30% of the kids made decisions for Christ. Uh, it happened through kids' ministry. 30%. Now, I, this is a big deal for me because I grew up in a church where I didn't have that. I grew up in a church, there was no fun place to take the kids where they get Jesus on their level. It was, it was little Monty, you sit right here. Here's your Cheerios. Shut up, okay? Just sit there. But mom, I really don't, shh. But mom, I, why is he dressed with a robe? Shh. But God, I really don't, why are we sitting and standing and kneeling? Shh. You know, it's just, I didn't get it. We have a kid's ministry that rocks the house. In fact, I, I reached out to Bethany. She oversees our kid's ministry. And I said, Bethany, do you have any stories that, that, that just quick ones that I can share with the congregation? I'm preaching on the next generation. She emailed me back within seconds. Okay, I'm like, wow, you just had her sitting there. Okay, so uh, Bjorn is, is four years old. This is, what, this is what she told me. During the week, Bjorn is always referring back to the basic truths he learns in the kid's ministry. God made me. God loves me. Jesus is my friend. My God, if adults could understand those three things, Bjorn understands it. So mom, his mom says that it's so cool because the two older sisters, they never got that. They didn't have that before they start coming to Meadows. But he's getting that, and now the sisters are getting it too. Colby's 10. Mom, okay, Colby, Colby's mom does kids' ministry at, at one of the, the military base here. 
But she gives her kids this choice. She's like, okay, you come with mom to the ministry that we're doing or go to Meadows. Colby's like, I'll go to Meadows. Mom's like, you little. So, but Colby comes here and this is what mom said. Mom said, Colby always chooses to go to Meadows because he loves the way the kids ministry teaches him scripture. See, we think that kids, while they, they don't want God's word, they don't want to read the Bible, they may not want it. How many of your kids don't know what they need? He gets it. He, Colby's 10, and he knows he needs to feed on the word of God. Cruz, four years old. Cruz, I know who you are. Whenever he or someone else is hurting or not feeling well, this is mercy, Ava. You got the same thing. Cruz has it too. He always asks to pray to God for healing over the person. And then he loves praising Jesus when the person gets better. Four years old. I mean, it, again, I, you learn so much from a child. Two more. Elias is also four. Wakes up every day asking, is today a church day? Is today a church day? He's always so excited to come to church, play with his friends, and learn about Jesus. I, that, I wasn't shouting that. I was shouting, God, tell me, is today not a church day? Is today not a church? That, okay, so me and Elias, we didn't have that in common. Jessica, Jessica just started serving in our kids' ministry a few weeks ago. This is what she said. She served for the first time in the preschool room and was amazed how much structure and learning was happening. It ain't, it ain't no daycare, I promise you that. It's so cool to see how much time, preparation is put into the lessons, giving these young kids Jesus on their level. This is what's happening in the kids' ministry. This is why I beg you, check your kids in and bring them, first of all, whether they're in the room or not. I mean, it's giving them Jesus on their level. By the way, Check this out. Since we launched almost four years ago, 57 kids have given their lives to Christ at Meadows Church. And 42 of them have been baptized. We did baptisms last week. Uh, Rachel mentioned that. Tucker was one of the kids who got baptized. Probably one of the more emotional ones I've been a part of. Sometimes you just know when the Holy Spirit is moving, right? You, you can't deny it. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. I just want to give you a, a snapshot uh, of Tucker's baptism from last, uh, last week. Check so, this Tucker, out. you made the decision to want to do this, right? So what, what made you want to do it? I just felt like I should do it. I just felt in my heart. But I just... you, you, know, you know what that feeling is, Tucker? It's the Holy Spirit. That's what you feel right now, and you're emotional right now. But it's the Holy Spirit that's working in you. See, when you call on the name of Jesus and, and, and he's in you, he prompts you to do stuff. Like when you tell your buddies about him like you do, you know who's doing that? It's the Holy Spirit doing it through you. And when you feel compelled to say, you know what, I'm supposed to get in the water. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be baptized. Something's telling me to get in here. Something's telling me that's the Holy Spirit telling you to do it. He's, you're, you're allowing him to do it. I'm so proud of you. How, is, how has Jesus changed, Tucker? Can you share a little bit about that? <laughs> always believe in Jesus and I'm now I'm saved so now I want him to use me he wants to be used by Jesus he wants to be used by Jesus come here I love you so emotional. It, it, it was nothing like I've ever seen. Um, I, I pray that we'll be a church that our battle cry will be, I want Jesus to use me. Jesus, I want you to wear me out. I want to be known for what I'm for. I want to be known for what you're for. If you don't hear anything else, if you don't hear anything else in this message, hear the next statement. If we don't teach our children to follow Christ, the world will teach them not to. I promise you. Promise you. When you see a little boy, a little girl, a teenager, what is your greatest desire for them as a parent, as a grandparent, uncle, aunt, friend? For some, it might be, I just want them to stay healthy. I just want to physically be healthy. And I get that. I pray that over my kids all the time. But the reality is, one day they won't be. And one day they'll be, they'll be gone. Not saying you shouldn't pray for that and want that. I'm just saying it isn't the most important thing. I just want them to be happy. I just pray that my kids are happy. Well, the reality is happiness is based on happenings, and they're going to have good happenings, and they're going to have bad happenings. So I want my kids to be happy too. I think it'd be insane to say I don't want my kids happy. It's just not the most important thing. Well, I want my, I want my kids to make a lot of money so, uh, 
so they can take care of me when I get older. See, now I kind of get that one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's no, I'm like, that's not a bad one. So, but <laughs> what do you, what, what's the most important thing? I want my kids busy. I want my kids to have a lot of friends. I want my kids in a lot of things. I want my kids to play sports. I love it. I love sports. I want my kids to play sports. But, see, but if your kids are in all these activities doing all these things and you forsake the most important thing, what are you teaching them at the end of the day? You know, it's volleyball. We're going to do volleyball, volleyball. We've done it since we were three. And one day you're going to play. You're going to play for a, a big high school here in Omaha or in the Papillion or wherever you live. And then you're going to be a star. And then you're going to be such a star. You're going to go play for the Huskers. And you're going to be in the Huskers women's volleyball team. And you're going to do great things. And you're going to be so good that you're going to go play in the Olympics one day. And you're going to win the gold medal in the Olympics. And say all that happened. Praise God that all happens. And then at 26 years old, they're done with all that. And it's over. And it's great. It's great memories. But why would you teach them that that's the only thing that's the most important thing and forsake everything else? Now what do they know at 26 years old when they get out in the real world, okay? I'm not saying you shouldn't pursue the things. I'm just saying there's so many things that will crowd. See, it's not the bad things that are gonna steal you away from the Lord that are gonna take your time. It's not the bad things. It won't be, I'm gonna go do drugs today. Well, if you're doing that, I'm glad you're here. We wanna pray for you. But in most cases, that's not what it is. It's activities, it's things, it's good things. Those aren't bad things, they're good things. They're just not the greatest thing. Gain the whole world and lose your soul. What is more important than your daughter's soul? What? Nothing. Life is so quick and we get caught up in all this stuff that's coming at us. We need to pause and think. The greatest, the greatest issue for, for, for parents, I'll, I'll tell you straight up, I've been doing ministry for quite a long time. And I, by, by the way, I'm preaching with you. I've been guilty of this many times, so it's not like I'm a high and mighty, trust me. My kids will quickly tell you that I'm not. The, the greatest issue isn't that parents are neglecting their kids. They're not, for the most part, trust me. Their kids are on a pretty high pedestal. That's not the, the greatest issue is that they're neglecting God for the sake of their kids. That's the greatest issue. Hands down. Hands down. And I've done it. Trust me, I've done it. I'm reading with a group of guys this week, and we, I read the Word of God. And when Mike, you know, Mike, he's in my group, and Mike's like, I don't get this scripture. Why is Jesus saying this? Jesus, I can't be Jesus. It must be an error. I said, Mike is not an error, but let's read it together. Luke 14, 26. If you want to be my disciple, and I'm just going to believe that you do, you must, there's that word again, Jesus, and this is coming out of your mouth. You must, by comparison, hate everyone else. That's what Mike didn't get. You might be confused right now, too. You must hate your father, hate your mother, hate your wife, hate your children, hate your brothers, hate your sisters. Yes, even hate your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. It's like some of you are thinking, okay, pastor, last week you said, have faith like a demon. This week I'm going to tell people, at church I learned to hate my family. It's like, woo, welcome to Meadows. (laughs) That's a weird church. Um, Jesus said it. He's not telling you to hate anybody. By comparison is what he's saying. He's saying, I need, I need to have all of you. Stop putting everything else on a pedestal. Your spouse, your hobbies, your kids, stop. Bring them alongside you and show them who I am. The alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the rock that does not sink. Show them me. We, we need to lead our family, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We need to lead our children. They don't need you to be their best friend. That's the last thing they need. They need you to lead them to the one who loves them more than you and I ever could. That's what they need. I want to be my kid's best friend. They don't need it. They don't need a best friend. They need a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle. Are you for the next generation? Is that what you want to be known for? And are you known for it? Here is what we're known for as a church or what I want to be known for when it comes to the next generation. My prayer right now is that you would wrap around at least one of these because I want to bring you to a point of action. Me standing up here and preaching a message at you that gets no traction is worthless. It's worthless. We're wasting our time. Here's what I want you to wrap around. Four things that we as a church wrap around. You're going to get them quick. We serve in the body of Christ. That was one of the main points, one of the things that parents did. So, so would you serve on a dream team in the church? Would you serve in the kids' ministry? And maybe you don't like kids. Well, then we probably don't like you in the kids' ministry, but serve somewhere else, and it still impacts the kids in the church. Would you serve and be the part of the body of Christ at Meadows Church on a dream team? We sell out to that. 
We sell out to mentorship in schools. We sell out to it. We believe wholeheartedly in the schools. We love the schools, but we know they, I want to infuse Jesus in them. Okay, so Teammates is an organization that we, that we use here. It's Tom Osborne started it. You know, you know who he is. Um, the, the, the Huskers, it started in Husker Nation, and it, it's grown to statewide. But we sponsor, or not sponsor, we mentor kids in schools. Okay, G. Stanley Hall is an elementary school that we sponsor, but you can go anywhere in your district, anywhere that you live close to. It's an hour a week, probably 45 minutes, actually. And now we're, we finally get back in the schools. I just got an email from the gal that oversees teammates. Because uh, I haven't seen my student for over a year. And she's like, you get back in now. You get back in. You can see him again. You can see him again. I can't wait. So you can go to teammates.org, and you can learn more about how you can mentor a child. Hey, by the way, there's a waiting list. There's a waiting list of kids waiting for a mentor. There's a wait. Will you, will you put a dent in that? Kids are dying for leadership from adults. Boys in particular, by the way, but girls and boys both need them from what they've told me in the teammates. We sponsor children in this church. We partner with Compassion International and we sponsor kids for 35 to 40 bucks a month. You'll feed a family, but you'll feed them spiritually as well as they get the word of God, they get spiritual resources. You're feeding their entire family. You can go to Compassion um, International and you can sponsor a child. I pray you would do it today. We sponsor them, we, 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 don't we? We write them letters and, and we, they'll send us pictures. We put them on our fridge. I call them our fridge kids. They're our fridge kids. And I always say, Jake and Ava, why can't you be more like our fridge kids? They write to me, they talk to me, they don't talk back. I don't get it. So, but get a fridge kid. If every Christian that claimed to have no Christ would, would sponsor a child, we could wipe out poverty. 35, 40 bucks a month. Will you sponsor a child through Compassion International? Our churches were sold out to these four things. Oh, the fourth thing, kind of the newest thing I would say for us is fostering. Fostering children. Fostering children. I just talked to a family in Sioux Falls. I was back for a conference, and this guy's like, we're fostering three kids. I'm like, oh, your kids are out of the house? He goes, no, we got our three. Oh, three kids still in the house, their own three. And they're, I'm like, wow, the Brady Bunch just exploded right there. Um, but, but he said, we're called to do it. Would you consider fostering a child through Christian heritage? An organization here locally that, that sells out to the biblical principles and sells out to fostering kids? A couple stats real quick. 6,331 children are in foster care in Nebraska. Almost a thousand are waiting for adoptive families. Nationwide, 424,000. 10% of that 424,000, so over 40,000, are, are in orphanages. They're just waiting for somebody to step up and say, I'll take you. I know mom and dad might be in jail, or they might be in prison, they might be dead. And these kids are dying. And, and I know families that they, well, we're, we're tired now, or we're empty nesters, and now we get to live our life. I'm like, no, you get to live the life that Jesus purposed for you. And, if, and I know that that foster thing, it was for somebody in this room for sure, at least one. I know it because God, I felt it so heavily this week. So here's what I'm asking. I hit those quick. Mentor a kid, foster a kid, serve in the church. Sponsor a kid. If you would do any of those things, here's what I'm asking online. Just note it in the comments. Sponsor, mentor, foster, and we'll connect with you. If you're in the room, the green cards, just write on there. I'm interested in sponsoring. I'm interested in serving. I'm interested in mentoring. I'm interested in fostering. Just write it. You're not committing to anything. Don't worry. We'll just connect with you and talk about what it could look like. What's God doing in your heart? Would you let us know? I don't want to preach and then just we leave and do our own thing. I want to put, I want to put traction to this. Deuteronomy, let's finish it. Deuteronomy 6, in the future, your children are going to ask you, and they're going to. Or kids that you know, they're going to ask. What is the meaning of all this? Why are we doing all this? Why all the rules? Why all the laws, decrees, regulations the Lord God commanded us to obey? Why? Then you must, that's the word for the fifth time today, then you must tell them, we were slaves in Egypt. We were slaves, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all the decrees and to fear Him for our own well-being, for our own prosperity, as this is the case. So God again is saying, I'm not asking you to obey to take joy from you. I have something for you. This is what He's saying. Monty, one day your kids are going to ask, Dad, why? Why did we leave? Remember when we left and we moved to Omaha, planted here? Why? Everybody we know is there. All our friends are there. 
because God one day he rescued your dad and your mom and he rescued us and me specifically from a drug addiction that wanted to kill me so we said God we will do it we will do whatever you say we will do it because the kingdom matters because people matter children are great imitators let's give them something to imitate let's do that in their lives can we so here's this in youth on Wednesday our youth is 6th through 12th grade meet on Wednesday at Nebraska Christian I had the leaders ask the kids anonymously what do they struggle with what, what are our students struggling with that they maybe don't even want to tell mom and dad about do you know the number one thing by far they sent me they emailed me because I was gone they emailed me all the results I'm trying to decipher the handwriting is that my kid I'm just kidding I didn't do it so <laughs> I'm kidding so the number one thing by far there's a lot of things they wrote number one thing they're struggling with you need to know it anxiety they're scared they're nervous they're freaked out all they've ever known is a world that's in upheaval all they've ever known is tension and stress and government all they've ever known is social media and God knows if you get sucked into that too far they're anxious they're scared the church planters that I was with on Sunday one of the guys that planted with me he's of course in a different city and he says and he's their church is doing very well and you know from the outside it looks like he's got it all going on and here's what he said he said he said when I get home my family my wife said that my family's on eggshells all the time because ministry is very very like not I mean you got stressed too I get it I'm not saying I'm any more stressed than you are but we got a lot of stress in our lives right as adults and he said his, his family's on eggshells well that's dad and you know what I immediately thought of I immediately thought of what our family counselor told us recently or actually what 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 my kids shared in a counseling session about me and when they said that dad when the garage door go, goes up and we hear that you're coming home part of them is excited because dad's home but let's get real can we? we we don't have to play church here do we we can say what's really going on okay good because i want to make sure that you know that i'm also not okay in some areas they said there's this thought is dad going to be in a good mood or a bad mood because whatever mood dad is in is going to set the mood for the family and set the mood for the day and deep down it just set the right tone I want to be a good dad I want to be a good leader and you do too and we can be we can pour into the generate we can love them we won't be perfect we won't be perfect but let's do it together and you know what my issue is rules you know commands do this do this do this but here's the problem rules without a relationship lead to rebellion rules as if the Israelites Deuteronomy you know what they did rebelled all day long you know why well, God's given us rules, but they didn't connect to a relationship with God. They should have. God wanted it, but they wouldn't do it. So they're hearing all the rules from God, but there's no relationship with God. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. We got to focus on loving our kids and having a relationship with them and pointing them to have a relationship with God. Don't we? That's what we need to do. That's why Jesus came. We separated ourselves from God. Sin did it. And Jesus says, I will stand in the gap and I will bridge the gap. I will be this I will be this bridge say bridge oh man that what are you for Jesus I'm for building bridges like between you Monty and the Father and the kingdom of God and you too because you sin just like I do and the only way we can get right with the Father is through the Son this is the gospel of Jesus Christ this is what you teach your kids teach your kids the gospel of Jesus if you ask a kid that you know that's in your family that's in your home how do you go to heaven how are you saved what would they tell you God, they need to know the answer to the question. They're going to think, I got to be good. I got to do the right thing. No, no, no. We do want you to be good. We do want you to do the right thing. But you got to know God, specifically his son, Jesus. If you know Jesus and you believe in Jesus and you surrender your life to Jesus and you call on his name, he'll come into you through the Holy Spirit and you'll be saved. And once you're saved, you're going to be compelled to live differently. You won't always get it right. God knows I don't. But you will want a different life. For some of you, that's your next step. Calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing that Jesus died and rose for you. That bridges the gap. There's no other way you can be saved. No other way. Jesus is it. Are you hearing me online? Jesus is the only way you will ever be made right with the Father. Relationship. 
put I choose Jesus in the comments if you want it. In the room, mark it on your card. I don't, just do it. Marking it on a card doesn't save you. Praying a prayer doesn't save you. It's the surrender. It's the repentance. It's, it's, it's all inclusive. For me, it's a daily surrender. I don't know about you. It's not one and done for me. It's a daily surrender. Man, I want to pray for you. This message excited me because, and it challenged me. I love my kids. Oh, by the way, you know what Jesus said? This, or God, somebody's Holy Spirit, somebody spoke to me this week and they said, one of the three, spoke to me and said, because I was thinking about it. Guys, I believe in my kids. I believe in my kids. I love my kids. And you know what I heard? But do they know it? Do they know you believe in them? Do they know? I mean, are you speaking that? Are you telling them? I know you know it here, Monty, but are you speaking life here? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to just pray together. Don't freak out. It's going to be okay. But you're going to pray with just people around you. I'm going to go back to the four things. Would you sponsor a kid? Would you serve in our church so we can continually reach more people to do what God's calling us to do and reach more people in the name of Jesus in the Omaha area and beyond? Would you consider fostering a child that's so desperate for one? Would you consider mentoring through teammates in our school districts that desperately need Jesus? Would you? Don't just think about it. I, I pray that you will put action to it. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you what to do. Not me, him. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we are a church that is for the next generation. Why? Because you are. You showed it over and over in a culture that would shun them and push them to the side like they were like kind of second class. All you did was elevate them. All you did was love them. All you did was bless them. Why? Because you knew they're the future. And our children are the same. Birth through 18, 19 in Nebraska, I guess. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, God, there, there, are, there are responsibility. God, help us as adults in the room love them and lead them to you. Nothing is more important. The world is going to shove so many activities in front of us, and they're all good things. I don't think anything is really bad in that. They're just not the greatest thing. And God forbid that we ever forsake the great for something good. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. And I don't think anybody here does either, God. I pray for the people that are taking next steps towards what they're going to do to, to before the next generation of the four things that we gave them to pray about and do. God, I pray for people that need to surrender their lives. There are people here that are hurting and struggling. People here that have fallen from God. People here that are debating God's goodness. People here are wondering that if God even loves them, God, I pray that in the moment they know that they are loved, that they are valuable, and that they are here because you brought them here to get a word from you, hope from you, truth from you, and life from you. Father, have your way. We'll give you all the glory. We love you. We love you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.